Okay, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all of our baddies who are listening in right now. Thank you for listening. This is Sydney and your co-host Alma. Hi, everybody. Okay, you just literally (laughs) said hi, everybody. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Very nice. Okay, so thank you so much for tuning in to the second episode of Book Club for Baddies. This episode, we are going to be touching on the second half of the book Sex at Dawn, how we mate, why we stray, and what it means for modern relationships. Last time, we talked about the first half of the book with all of its juice and drama, and that's what we're going to give you this second half. The book took me and slapped me in my face. <laughs> left, right, left, right. <laughs> the last half was definitely a lot of information and kind of like a lot of facts. Lots of facts. Facts on facts on facts. Mm-hmm. So we're going to kind of skim through like a lot of chunks of this part of the book. It talks about men's penis size in the prehistoric <laughs> age and how it's changed and sperm count and stuff like that. And, you know, we don't really and how monogamy shrink men's balls basically yes their balls <laughs> are way smaller because well i'm glad because i don't want really big huge balls so i will be thankful i guess for monogamy for that so we just went through and kind of skimmed got all the juicy parts out for you because that's what we're here for so this part just kind of talks about a lot of society now and like in our culture what the media and everything is shoving down our throat Then it goes into this super famous song, How to Tell When a Man Loves a Woman, and written by Percy Sledge and first recorded in 1966, When a Man Loves a Woman Hit a Cultural Nerve. The song shot to the top of both the Billboard Hot 100 and R&B charts. Another version recorded 25 years later by Michael Bolton also went straight to the top of the charts, and the song now sits at number 54 on Rolling Stone's list of the 500 greatest songs of all times. Nothing is more prominent than love and sex in Western media, and When a Man Loves a Woman is an example of the message whispered in a romantic ears throughout the world. These are like the notes about what the song is on. He becomes obsessed and can't think of anyone else. He'll exchange anything, even the world, for her company. He's blind to any fault she may have and will abandon even his closest friend if that friend tries to warn him about her. He'll spend all his money trying to hold her attention. And last but not least, he'll sleep in the rain if she tells him to. That's how you can tell if a man loves you. Hmm. Have you ever had a man sleep in the rain for you? I highly doubt it. <laughs> I don't think I have. Either. Maybe. I mean, we, I guess we should never know. <laughs> they never told you. <laughs> they didn't want to. Their, their egos won't allow, allow right. them to share. And I just found this part really kind of creepy i think that we all think that we want a man to like be so obsessed and like can't live without us until you get them no (laughs) and then you're like leave me alone (laughs) no exactly i think now that i'm older i really realize that you don't want a man like that because those are like the warning signs that he's a fucking stalker and he's a weirdo and he's gonna be controlling Yeah, I can see that. And from past experiences, when a man has been like that overly like crazed and obsessed, it's been a bad situation. I have never had an experience like that, so I cannot really share. You've never had an experience about that? Like someone just that obsessive Mm, behavior? No. What? No, really not. Maybe like back in high school, but that's just so far. I mean, I'm 34, okay? It's been a long time. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
See, I feel like this behavior where the man is so obsessed and like overtly shows it to you later on down the road, it becomes like an abusive relationship. I've never had that. You've never had an abusive relationship? Not not physically abusive. Mentally. Mentally, yes. Definitely, yes. Mentally, verbally, maybe in mm-hmm. ways that I didn't even maybe think of it. Okay, let me flip this the script then. Have you ever been so in love with someone that you have totally missed all the warning signs of their craziness, their obsessive, jealous, manipulative behavior because you were like, oh my gosh, I'm so in love with this person. Absolutely. All the time. (laughs) Every freaking time. Like every woman miss all the freaking signs. Your friends can warn you. Your mother can warn you. Your father can warn you. You're like, no, I'm in love. Right. (laughs) You don't know me. You don't know who we are. You know? And then a few months later, whatever the case, just slaps you in the face. You're like, oh, I see. I see now. But I think that's why this is such a terrible example when it says how to tell when a man loves a woman because then, okay, we're listening to this song and we're thinking, okay, these are how you can tell if a man really loves me. We get all these wrong ideas, I feel like, from the movies, from songs, religion. It's like false narratives are all around us and we don't realize that in reality it has nothing to do with none of them. And that's what hurts here because finishing this book is almost like looking back at my life and thinking wow I wish I've known certain things that I know now I feel like my whole 20s I was just chasing that dream of like oh I'm gonna find a perfect man that's gonna be just made for me and my soulmate and you know we're gonna start a family we're gonna live forever and nothing is gonna go wrong there's no way something is gonna go wrong because Nobody talks about that. Wish I didn't waste it all the years trying to find that good man that's gonna like take care of me and just like save me from everything around. It's complete waste of my life. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we all wish we had the knowledge that we do now when we were younger, but that's why you go through life and you go through all of these different situations to learn how you handle it, learn how you're supposed to handle it. You grow from it, you become a better person, you become stronger. Like I said before, I'm not ashamed of anything that I've been through and I've been through a lot of crazy shit but I'm glad that I did because that made me who I am now and the person I am today. If society didn't make things so sugar-coated and so fantasy-like all the time I feel like people would be a lot more aware of these warning signs like this song. If you have so much control over someone that they're willing to ruin their friendships, do anything that you say, they're like crazed, losing sleep, whatever over you, that's unhealthy and that's a sick, toxic relationship. When a man loves you, you know that he loves you. You don't have to question and guess. He will really show you to the best of his ability that he loves you and he wants to be with you. It doesn't take games or guessing or nights of lost sleep to know if a man loves you or not. And we've all been through that situation. First real puppy love relationship. I was so stupid and so blinded by how terrible this person treated me, the terrible things that they did. And women, I feel like we have such a strong intuition. And even during that time, I could sense that it was wrong and that I could sense he was doing shady stuff. And I still decided not to listen to my intuition. My heart was just so in it. 
in the book when it's talking about the song it says the suggested alternative title for this song would be when a man becomes pathologically obsessed and sacrifices all self-respect and dignity by making a complete ass of himself and losing the woman anyways because really who wants a boyfriend who sleeps out in the rain because someone told him to that was actually very interesting and there's another song by sting and then when they quoted that song i was like wait a second i'm a musician so i used to gig back in the day you know play a lot of gigs here and there and i we used to play that song is it every breath you take every breath you take i mean everybody knows the song yeah and (laughs) i've never in my life it didn't occur to me that this song was that creepy yes was that (laughs) creepy i mean you you sing that song and it's like oh my god this song is like everything who would not want their man to sing this song to them so it says It's not about love at all, actually. It's sung from the perspective of a man who's been rejected by a woman who refuses to acknowledge that she belongs to him. He says he's going to follow her every step, watch her every move, see who she spends the night with, and so on. This is a love song. It should be a number one on Billboard's ranking of praised and dangerous stalker songs. Even Sting, who wrote the song after awakening in the middle of the night, when the line, every breath you take, every move you make, bubbled up from his subconscious, didn't realize until later how sinister the song is, he suggested in an interview. Uh, That's the part that lets you know how many songs we listen to without thinking about about the meaning behind it every breath you take every move you make i'll be watching you okay i'll be watching you i don't want anyone watching me like that i'm good i'm like literally imagining him in front of her house just like watching everything she does and singing this beautiful song and and she's like terrified in her house like please leave me alone yeah It's too much. And I feel like this kind of obsession, that's when relationships turn into abusive relationships, whether it's physical and mentally, verbally, it gets so hard to get out of those situations because you're like, oh my gosh, he just loves me. I had a relationship. It was like one of my first relationships that I was ever in. And he was around like four years older than I was. And it was what I thought was my first love. I was really interested in him. He was older. It just became like so obsessive that it then became really, really abusive. It's just crazy to think about like the situations that I had like went through with this I feel like you had a lot of those situations. I, I had two major situations like that. This one was definitely a lot more mentally, verbally abusive. It was very controlling. I remember I had like went out with friends one night and he like popped up there, drove me home. He was just so fucking mean all the time, like verbally. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And maybe you thought that that's love. Like this man loves me so much. He would like pop on me and just like take me home. And like, because he's worried. Cause you probably had all these false narratives in your head. Like, oh, he's just worried about me. He just wants to take me home. And like, he checks on me all the time. Well, that was like the perfect manipulative way for him to explain his side. Like I care about you so much. This is why I'm doing this. I don't want you to make mistakes. would say that to me he'd be like i don't want you to make mistakes and i want to be able to teach you and you learn from my mistakes bro 
This is my <laughs> own life. I'm going to live my life and I'm going to learn from my own mistakes. I'm a super independent person. So even in this relationship, I realized what was going on. But on his end, his explanation for his behavior was that he just loved me so much. And I was like, I need to get the fuck away from this person. But at that time, I was young. I had just moved to the city. I didn't really know anyone. My friends were his friends. I didn't have enough people around to like have enough support. And I mean, my family was always there. They only lived an hour away, but I'm so hard headed that when I moved to the city, I was like, I wanna do this on my own. You know, I'm independent, I'm growing up. Like I had my own apartment, my own car. I went to college. I like had my own job, was taking care of myself. And this whole situation was so freaking difficult to get out because I had known him in high school. It was like a friend too. And it sounds like sick because it was like, what kind of friend is like that? But like he had became my primary friend. So he became my primary like support and all of this stuff. And it was just super, super manipulative and abusive. Finally, I got out of it. Thank God. This whole song is like (laughs) what it was. Right. Yeah. Like he would follow me. He would follow me in his car. And it just shows you this kind of stuff that we're being fed and songs and entertainment it can be so toxic to us thankfully i'm a smart and strong enough person to realize like that situation was really fucked up and i wanted to get out of it for a really long time it was really hard but honestly believed he was doing what was best for me all right alma have you ever been in a relationship where the other person was very like controlling or manipulative in ways that maybe you were really blind to it because it felt like it was love or they explained it as love to you? I definitely had a situation. I wouldn't call it a relationship uh, per se because I don't think he ever wanted a relationship where he was ever into being in one right mm-hmm. he was one of those people um but i was so blindsided and infatuated by him that you know it's like i was literally like on drugs like you, you know you would do oh, anything yeah. for the per- whatever he says like you're like a dog okay like what else what else do you need me to do mm-hmm. like something it's it's just crazy what takes over your body when you like somebody yeah. it's ridiculous i don't know if it's like <laughs> hormonal levels what is it in our our biology as a woman i would basically do whatever he says if he would say like jump off the bridge i'll probably jump off the bridge yeah that type of deal it's crazy to think that somebody can have power over you like that i kind of got out of it barely got out of it when the talk about money came about basically it was just the the fact that like i was called to play in a really big atlanta opera i was supposed to have a part and a really good chunk of money and he was like well you know you're gonna give me that money right and that's when I snapped and I was like what are you talking about what do you mean I'm gonna give you the money I have to go home now and practice six hours a day every day to be able to perform what do you mean I'm gonna give you my money and I was like don't ever call me again (laughs) and that's like literally where my I just broke down I was just like no this is this is some bullshit obviously you're using me you're manipulating me and you think whatever you say goes but you know after a while of course you start thinking <laughs> like you start using your brain it took that whole situation of something that's 
solely about you, where you would be making this money. You're doing an amazing thing that's separate from him. And then that was like a, a light switch on in your head and you're like, oh my God, this person doesn't give a shit about me. They are using me. It was definitely a light switch. So look for the red flags. Listen to other, when people point constantly, all your friends, family, they point, they tell you, this is wrong, something is off. Just listen, step from the situation and look, look at it from somebody else's shoes. If you feel like you want to withhold certain information from your family or friends, or you constantly feel like you have to justify that person's actions, there is something wrong. You should not have to not tell your friends or family certain things. You shouldn't have to make this person look like a better person towards your friends or family. You shouldn't have to justify situations to yourself or anyone else about what this person is doing. And if you have to do that, it's toxic and you need to take a deeper look at your relationship. And it's hard because growing up, our parents never sit us down and say, hey, there's gonna be a relationship in your life that you might feel like you absolutely love this person and that feeling and intense emotion is gonna be so strong that it's going to taint the way that you look at that person. It's gonna make you feel like everything that they do is okay, that they're somebody who they're really not. And it's hard because we're never taught that and it's just something that we have to go through. But that's definitely going to be something that I'm going to teach my children because I went through two really, really terrible relationships back to back growing up. And my family, they were never mentally, physically abusive or anything like that. And I was in two verbally, mentally, physically abusive relationships. So you can sit there all day and say, oh, that's not me. I'm never going to go through that situation. And you probably will. So you went through one and then some time has passed and then you went straight back to another one? Yeah. And it's so crazy because they don't start off like that. And that's where everyone's like, what the fuck? You were in one abusive relationship and then you went into another one. And I'm like, it sounds like I'm a crazy bitch. And I think at that time too, I definitely was not the person who I am now. But you probably also attracted those type of people because you were absolutely hurt or you were just insecure like in a certain ways or form like you, you just attracted those people into your life i did i mean now i'm in therapy for the second time and i think therapy is extremely important for everyone because even if you feel like you've gotten over situations and gotten over trauma and all of that stuff just because you push it aside and you've it's been years since you went through it and you feel like you've dealt with it you need to go to therapy there's a lot of things that are just Bur- buried in us. It comes out, yeah. In different situations. I always think of that whenever I'm in a new situation or whatever, you know, not just a situation with partner or whatever. Just in general, you always think when you do stuff or when you react in a certain way, you wonder where does it come from like what is because sometimes i do something and i question my i'm like why did i just do this or why did i react this way when i know better you know when i know i'm not supposed to or it's almost like it's in us ingrained ingrained in us because if you went through something so many times and yeah you push it aside you forgot about it but it's still in there like it's still Mm -hmm. somewhere in back of your brain waiting to come up it's waiting and you don't realize it and until you have someone who's professionally trained to sit there and tell you this is why you're doing this my therapist has told me she's like sydney you're a fixer you look for situations to fix 
And those were absolutely 100% the first two people that I ever had serious relationships with, were people who desperately, desperately needed fixing. These two people were extremely hurt people who needed a fucking therapist. And I was like, I'll be your therapist. Yeah, you know what's, as you said those words, it's so funny. I mean, I've never been in therapy, but as you said those words, like I'm a fixer, I feel like that's me as well. Cause mm -hmm. the weirdest thing for me is like, okay, I believe in horoscope a little bit, you know, here and there, the traits that you have as a, as a certain sign. Me as Pisces, I'm very extremely freaking emotional. I hate it, but that's just who I am. I react on every single thing. I would cry over anything anything like it doesn't necessarily have to be a sad thing like I can cry because I'm happy for somebody so I would literally feel like I need to analyze other people that I'm with I would analyze his life and find basically making excuses for him the way he is acting yes I would be like oh my god he's acting this way because you know this happened to him back in the day oh. and I literally justify his bullshit behavior because I'm overanalyzing what happened in his life and it's I'm trying sickening. to fix him and I'm trying to like just give it time I'm gonna be the one who's gonna cure him you know bring him to light and I, I literally look back now I'm just thinking what the hell were you thinking at that time you cannot fix anybody it's even hard to fix yourself let alone to fix somebody that doesn't even want to be fixed to begin with I'm <laughs> or changed guys people do not change they can adapt to certain situations okay if they met you and they're like oh i want you know i want to be with 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 her i'm gonna adapt to anything she wants so they can adapt to being this amazing man who's like just does everything right guess how long that's gonna last i give it few months and they go back to the same bullshit they've been doing for years and that's in reality what it is oh my gosh I'm cringing right now because I love to write and I've always kept a lot of notes about things like probably two months ago I was going through my notes on my phone and it was from years ago in my second abusive relationship and it was to the person I always write things because I feel like I can explain myself better when I write it and I feel like I can be more clear so I was writing and I was like I feel feel so bad for you all of the things you've been through in life your parents and like you know your dad what he went through he was like a drug addict and your mom like just never was there for you and I just feel so bad and I know you're a good person and I know that you can do better and I know there's this person deep down inside who wants to be this good person fucking barf I was so disgusted in myself I'm sitting there this person who has put their hands on me multiple times and I was fucking justifying them as a person and their behavior and their personality because of the shit that they fucking went through and you're gonna fucking put your hands on me and it's okay yeah this is what it's all about we don't see clear when we're with somebody when we're I'm not even gonna use word love in this situation no. it's just like you're blindsided by the person you just we all had that feeling and we would basically do anything in your head you're like no no I'm the one I'm gonna change his mind you know like how and it's so sickening it's so sickening that we always think that we can be that person to fix or change that person and nothing can change that you learn from certain relationships and you grow but don't waste your time don't waste your time trying to fix somebody I mean if they're great 90% of the time and the 10% they have some issues yeah there's certain things that you can work through but physical mental 
mental, verbal abuse is not something that you can work through. And if you think, okay, one day they're going to be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm never going to put my hands on you again. I can tell you from experience and from other people I know who've been in abusive relationships, they're going to put their hands on you again. So you need to get out. From a personal experience, I can tell you for the two, three years of my life, I've dealt with a situation where a person would tell me, look me in my eyes and say, I will never, ever do it again. I promise you. And if I do, if I do go out, I will come back home at like two, three in the morning. Guess what? As soon as that man steps out of the door, he's gone. Okay. And he forgets everything he says every single time. And he will come back again. He would say the same thing. I will never do it again because he knows he could get away with it sydney's gonna bring up the heat the heat <laughs> i think we're coming into the part of the book that is very juicy very interesting full of fact this book took me and slapped me in my face a few times and was like you here now are you are you awake are you, you got it are you listening this is what it is and i'm gonna say it again i'm gonna wrap it around one more time and tell you again yeah. so let's get into this juicy part of the book this part says come again <laughs> It says, as much as women's breasts have fascinated evolution-minded theorists, the female orgasm has confounded them. Like breasts, female orgasm is a major head-scratcher for mainstream narratives of human sexual evolution. It's not necessary for conception, so why should it exist at all? For a long time, scientists claimed that women were the only female animals to experience orgasm. But female biologists and primatologists arrived on the scene, it became obvious that many female primates were having orgasms. So it says the underlying motivation for claiming that female orgasm was unique to human beings probably lay in the role it played as the standard narrative. So pretty much for a very long time and still to this day, scientists, theorists wonder why females have orgasm because, you know, men orgasm to ejaculate. It's needed for procreation. Women don't have to orgasm to get pregnant. It's not necessary. But beside that point, Alma, have you ever had an orgasm? I guess so. <laughs> you guess. I mean, of, of course. <laughs> Do you know if you've had an orgasm or not? Or you just enjoy sex and it's like, okay, you never get to that point. Yeah, I, I think I just enjoy, you know, physical contact. I just don't even think of that type of release, I guess. Because, I don't know, I just, I don't know, I mean, I'm damn 34, I never, I never thought about it like that, for Have real. You? It's almost like you always just, almost like more concerned about them being good to go and like whatever, you know, if they achieve what they wanted to achieve and you're not even focusing on yourself. Like I said, I do enjoy sex, but I don't think of orgasm like that. So when a guy says, hey, did you come? What do you say? I did. <laughs> I always lie. Yep, I, we're good to go. <laughs> oh my gosh. But do, okay, because obviously like when someone has an orgasm, like you can tell that they did. So like, do you like fake it or do you just like act like you enjoy it the entire time? But like don't do like a show. It's just like no, they don't I, really... I don't do a show. I mean, I definitely have. It doesn't happen. I feel like it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens on occasions. A man giving you an orgasm is completely different, but have you ever achieved orgasm by yourself in your life? Of course. Okay, thank God. I was like sweating there for a second. I was like, Jesus, <laughs> Lord, help this woman. Okay, yeah, that's great. You just did not ask the right question, but fine, whatever. 
Okay, yeah, obviously having an orgasm with a man is different because certain men will ask you, they're interested, but I feel like sometimes it's more pressure because it's not as easy for a woman to orgasm with a man. When was the first age that you ever had an orgasm? I don't know, I really don't know. 12, 13, something, I don't know. Yeah, same. Early, very early. Same. Thankfully, I feel like so many women feel weird or like shameful about touching themselves and it's like such a taboo thing to talk about but it's so important because like if you can't make yourself orgasm how can you expect someone else to make you orgasm true there's a part in the book as well that it's basically talking about women back in the day guys the doctors were treating women for hysteria the women would go to the doctors and the doctors would uh, rub them to the release (laughs) (laughs) by the point where the doctors were getting tired of that shit hysterical women are coming to the office constantly because they're frustrated and there's something wrong wrong with them but these women just need a freaking release and these doctors would rub them to that release and then these doctors started to get tired and that's how the, the vibrators come about it says here the first five electrical appliances sold directly to american consumers one of them was a vibrator nice. in the nine 1902 okay and the only note i made here in this part is said i said a medicine came a long way from these years because lord have mercy imagine going to the doctor now and he gives you a straight up orgasm like oh okay i feel better now thank you so much it's probably because they didn't ever talk about it and it wasn't they didn't think women needed to orgasm they didn't think it was necessary imagine never orgasming ever there are people out there who have never had an orgasm because it was a propaganda back in the day too like you know about masturbation like you if you touch yourself you're the biggest sinner in the world you go straight to hell you know i mean there was a whole it's all you know religious and suppression suppression and you know women were extremely suppressed about their sexuality so i mean i was not surprised with this information but it was just so imagine going to the doctor and like and you're pronounced hysteria what the hell yeah (laughs) so like old women were hysterical and because their husbands weren't giving them orgasms no i just imagine all these women just bad shit crazy you know taking care of kids and like cooking cleaning all day and they don't know what's wrong with them and then they go to the doctor and the doctor is like lay down here i'll take care of you and when you think about it today you know how many lawsuits are we <laughs> every day will be like billion lawsuits filed so it's, it's just amazing to see how we evolved thank god no, we're, we're able to talk about certain things these days and even if there's still things might be considered taboo even today i believe in 10 20 years 30 years they're gonna look back at us and be like oh damn they didn't want to talk about it what (laughs) i hope we keep making that progression like that i mean just today as i was on the way to your house on a radio a woman i guess sent a letter to a radio station okay and how she was engaged to her fiance and some horrible accident happened fiance died and i don't know a months and months passed and now she has this urge or she reached out to some of her friends from back in high school um and she 
felt attracted to him and she felt the urge to like be just physical with him and she basically wrote to the radio and said am I wrong for having this feeling of I just want I don't even want nothing emotional I just want to be physical with the person and <laughs> it's just the her that she has to somebody had to justify to her that it's okay to want to have sex with somebody That's like what I'm to have saying. physical connection your fiance died my friend you want to have sex with a ghost like i'm sorry i i apologize for your loss months have passed i don't even i didn't even hear how many time has passed already and you have the urge to be physical with somebody somebody has to justify that for you because we've been made to feel as women that our sexuality is not necessary. We're not sexual beings. It's not necessary. We don't have to have sex all the time. She's been through the worst thing that could ever happen, but that doesn't mean that your body stops doing what it does. Right. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna be horny ever again. I'm never gonna wanna be with someone. And it's terrible that she feels, like you said, that she has to go to a radio station to get justification for wanting to be physical with someone. Human beings are affectionate, physical, beings i would start with this good quote it says one can choose what to do but not what to want desire particularly male desire is notoriously unresponsive to religious dictate legal attribution family pressure self-preservation or common sense it does respond to one thing however testosterone and it says here, when you have no testosterone, you have no desire. It also explains basically how testosterone affects men and their brain. And Griffin Hansbury, who was born female, underwent a sex change after graduating from college, has another well-informed view of the powers of testosterone. The world just changes, he said. The most overwhelming feeling was the incredible increase in libido and change in the way I perceived women. Before the hormones treatments, he said, an attractive woman in the street would provoke a narrative of she's attractive i'd like to meet her but after injections a no more narrative any attractive woman would flood my mind with aggressive pornographic images just one after another everything i looked at everything i touched turned to sex he continued i felt like a monster a lot of time it made me understand men when you think about it deeply they cannot control that how can you control something that is happening Deep inside of your brain, inside of your body. Chemicals. Chemicals. Like you're just doing what your brain is telling. How can you stop? I wanted to read this part of a man called Phil. This is the part that we need to listen to, okay? This is the part that opened my eyes. Because so many times we have questions about these married people that are cheating on their perfect wives. And we always ask, but why? Why are they doing this? What an asshole. What a monster. When I read this... I was like, I almost felt sorry for men. A name called Phil could be considered a living icon of male achievement. In his early 40s, handsome, he's been married to Helen, a gorgeous, accomplished physician. For almost 20 years, they have three brilliant, beautiful daughters. Phil and friends started a small software business in their late 20s, and now, 15 years later, they get more money than they'll ever able to spend. Until recently, Phil lived in a big, beautiful house on a hill overlooking a wooded valley, but Phil's life was, as he puts it, a disaster waiting to happen. A disaster struck when Helen discovered the affair he'd been having with a work colleague. Unsurprisingly, she felt deeply betrayed and expressed her outrage by locking him out of the house, refusing even to let him to see their children until the lawyer had finished their dismissal task. Felix's seemingly perfect life came crashing down around him. 
Comedian Chris Rock said, a man is basically as faithful as his options. Phil, professional success, good looks, and charming personality generated a constant stream of sexual opportunity. Many male readers are probably thinking, of course, he was sleeping with another woman or two, come on. But if you're a woman, you might be thinking, of course, his wife and daughters locked the pig out. How many of us have seen this situation how many of us everyone like how many of us i mean everyone. i have like three four now that i can think of they'd be like oh my god his wife is so beautiful successful she it has everything matter. going on for her they have beautiful why why are you doing this like why are you ruining? because it's sex it's yeah, just it, sex but there's more okay this is not just about sex again it's about testosterone it goes to say at first the sex was fantastic. I hadn't felt so alive in years. I thought I was in love with Monica, the other woman. When I was with her, it was like everything was stronger. You know, food tasted better. Colors were richer. I had so much more energy. I felt high all the time. Talking about testosterone, it says, as their testosterone levels decline with age, many men experience a diminishment of energy and libido an intangible distance from the basic pleasures of life most attribute this blurred distance to stress lack of sleep or too much responsibility or they just chalk it up to the passage of time true enough but some of this numbing could be due to ebbing testosterone levels recall the man who had no testosterone for a while he felt like he lost everything i identify as being me his ambition passion for life sense of humor all gone on until testosterone brought it all back without the testosterone he said you have no desire so when he went out on his wife and he went and was with this new woman his testosterone levels shot up so that made him feel like live alive and they asked him what happened phil like why did you do this and he said over the years you know how it is the passion faded and our relationship changed we became friends best friends but still siblings almost i felt this too in my marriage like i literally felt i'm a roommate it's uh, it's not her fault i know this is all my fault but what can i do his eyes tearing up he said i felt like a life or death situation i wanted to feel alive again i know how ridiculous that sound but that's how i felt and i believe his wife felt the same way probably but she you know she's so consumed with the children with taking care of the household with this and that that she completely pushes that away and like it's okay it's okay i don't need to i don't need to have sex constantly i don't need to orgasm i don't need to do anything like i'm just you know i can take it and it says phil thought he was in love of course he did as suggested above one of the few things that reliably revives a male's sagging testosterone level is a novel lover So he felt all the things we associate with love, renewed vitality, a new depth and intensification, a giddy thrill at being alive. How easily we mistake this potent mix of feelings for love, but a hormonal response to novelty isn't love. I'm just literally sitting here thinking as I'm reading this book, these chapters, I'm thinking, are we punishing men when they are put in a monogamous situation a marriage that lasts 40 freaking years and we think that they're supposed to be attracted to that same woman for 40 years that they're gonna have amazing sex but i feel like we take sex too freaking serious Mm -hmm. too serious okay we take sex too serious because a baby comes from sex and that's a serious thing what we're most afraid of is a man going and having a child with someone else 
And then that's when his responsibility changes. It's not just sex anymore. It's, oh, I have to go take care of this child. I have to be there. I have to be a parental figure. I mean, I get it. I get it for men, the testosterone and their body and everything. Like they can disassociate love and emotions with sex all the time. The only thing I want is I want the same respect. (laughs) If I want to go and if I feel like, hey, I want to go have like a casual sexual relationship with someone, if you're able to do that, let me be able to do that too then. For me, it's almost like by the end of this book, I don't even know what my conclusion is. So do you think you could never find someone where you guys could even maybe, okay, so maybe even not step out on you, but like have like occasionally have another person but come in and the relationship yeah for me this book had just closed so many chapters that were opened in my head okay it was like they were all closed pop 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 pop, pop. done like i have nothing to think about because all the questions i've ever had over the years they are answered it's done but as you read this book you realize it has nothing to do with you so it's like either i'm going to accept that part and just move forward thinking a little bit more open like being more open minded and just realizing that certain aspects in life won't change it's just either you accept it or not but i, I think it's going to be very hard very hard cuz i really don't know how can i accept my partner being with somebody else you know it's very hard it's a very hard concept but i want to keep like an open mind because i want a long lasting relationship i want to find a partner in life that i can trust and be with and nobody wants to die alone right (laughs) no way we all want that person next to us you know we want to come home to somebody even just like the stupidest shit like watching a movie together it all fulfills you and it's not all about sex it's just like it's so much to it but You have to think about men and women desires and what they want and what they will do behind your back or in front of you. It doesn't matter. So are you going to accept it or you're not going to accept it? There's a quote from, it's written in 1910 by Carl Jung. It says, the prerequisite for a good marriage, it seems to me, is the license to be unfaithful. When a couple have been living together for years, when they've become family, this ancient anti-incest mechanism can effectively block eroticism for many men, leading to confusion and hurt feelings all around. So it's talking about automatically in the brain, because if you've been living with this person for a certain amount of time, you become family. So Mm -hmm. then you become less attracted because it's almost like incest. Exactly. What? Exactly. I'm mind blown. I'm moving out right now. (laughs) I'm not living with my boyfriend anymore. Listen, listen, hold on, hold on, I did not finish. Monogamy itself seems to drain away a man's testosterone. Married men consistently show lower levels of hormone than single men at the same age. Fathers of young children, even less. Men who are particularly responsive to infants show declines of 30% or more right after their child is born. For most men and many women, sexual monogamy leads to monotomy. It's important to understand this process has nothing to do with the attractiveness of the long-term partner or depth of sincerity of the loved felt for him or her. Indeed, quoting Simmons, a man's sexual desire for a woman to whom he's not married is largely the result of her not being his wife. Let me repeat it. A man's sexual desire for a woman to whom he's not married is largely the result of her not being his wife. Duh. (laughs) I mean, come on, guys. Like, we're just dropping so many, so many hints. I mean, of course, why would you not want somebody that you don't 
have. How many men have mistaken this hormone high for a life-altering spiritual union? How many women have been blindsided by a good man's seemingly inexplicable betrayal? How many families have been ripped apart because middle-aged men misinterpreted the surge of vitality and energy resulting from a novel sexual partner as love for a soulmate or convinced themselves they were in love to justify what felt like a life-affirming necessity? And how many of these men then found themselves isolated, shamed, and devastated when the curse of college returned after a few months of years to reveal that now familiar partner was not, in fact, the true source of those feelings after all? No one knows the number, but we're sure it's a big one. Basically, once the transitory trail passes, these men are left once again with the realities of what makes a relationship work over the long run. Respect, admiration, interests, good conversation, sense of humor, and so on. A marriage built upon sexual passion alone has as much chance of enduring as a house built on winter ice. What are we saying to men when we demand lifetime sexual monogamy? Must they choose between familial love or long-term sexual fulfillment? So they can lie and try not to get caught meaning they're just gonna cheat behind your back. They could give up on having sex with anyone other than your wife for the rest of your life. Maybe resort to a porn or Prozac. <laughs> Three, serial monogamy. Divorce and start over, okay? This option seems to be honest approach to recommended by most experts, including many relationship counselors. But let me tell you this, out of all these three options, none of them work, because one of the others of I don't said that why does society consider it more moral for you to break up a marriage, go through a divorce, disrupt your children's lives, maybe forever, just to be able to fuck someone with whom the fucking is going to get just as boring as it was with the first person this right here is just amazing you literally fuck up your children's life just so you can say you know what you cheated on me and i'm gonna leave you and this and that and then but what happens then then you go move on you marry somebody else and that is that person is gonna do the same thing because they are predisposed to do the same shit but the thing is at the end of the day we always give so much shit to these women who are like, oh, I want to keep my family together. I'm going to stay with my husband who mm. cheated, blah, blah, blah. And wow. we always give so much shit to them. But it's just like, okay, if we understand he just found this girl hot, attractive, whatever, just wanted to fuck, but he still wants to be here in this relationship, then, yeah, I mean, I get it. I think, I think it's the lack of communication and understanding that really is it's the betrayal that's the betrayal is not coming to being like hey i'm having these feelings i want to go be with someone else i might want to have sex with somebody else whatever because men obviously are gonna be like my wife's never gonna be okay with that and i get it because it's like what the fuck but if we have this open communication and we're like hey this is what i need this is what's happening maybe there's some common ground we can reach at some point it's all about you trying to achieve that level of can I really do this? Like, can I really accept these things? What isn't debatable is that conventional marriage is a full-blown disaster for millions of men, women, and children right now. Conventional till death or infidelity or boredom, do as part marriage is a failure. Emotionally, economically, physiologically, and sexually, it just doesn't work over the long term for so many couples. It's almost like they're saying it's 
you can try so hard and you can try for years and years and you can you can reach that 20 year mark you're like fuck i cannot fucking push mm-hmm. anymore i cannot right. do this you reach that monotony where you just yeah your life is great everything is perfect but there's no desire there's nothing that like lifts you up makes you feel alive or anything and then some woman comes by and you all all of a sudden you feel alive you know you want to feel that high again and who are we to blame that person if he or she wants to approach that and to have that feeling i think just honesty from the beginning is the best way to go about it i believe so too if you if you have balls for the honesty you know because sometimes that honesty can hurt i want to definitely quote another thing from the book which says uh despite what most mainstream therapists claim for example couples with open marriages generally rate their overall satisfaction significantly higher than those in conventional marriages do despite centuries of religious and scientific propaganda the basic illusions underprinting the supposed natural of conventional nuclear family are clearly exhausted are we at the point where we're seeing that conventional nuclear family meaning long-term monogamous marriages with children with children ideas are exhausted because that's why we're seeing so many divorces i mean they say that both authors believe that real love isn't primarily about sex if you're lucky enough to find love in your life you quickly realize how relatively and important sex is. Love is a lot about um, love is about a lot of unerotic things, getting old together, taking care of each other, when we're um, we're grieving, raising a child together, paying the bills, uh, sharing the dailiness of life. It's not primarily about orgasms. So many people confuse these things. They mistake good sexual chemistry for soul mating for a reason to sign up for a life together. Then a few years later, when the chemical trill has disappeared as it does, they find they've made a horrible mistake. And that's so true. That's what I'm trying to say. How I want to find like a person I can do life with. Just be there for each other and have a family and be together because obviously there's going to be so many ups and downs. You want somebody that you can rely on, that you can be there for. And at the end of the day, sex is just something that is obviously a necessity for both people, but it's not something that builds or keeps a relationship. Finding that person's hard. If you're lucky enough to find that, why give it up just because of sexual fantasy and desire? All right, yeah. So basically, (laughs) this is the end of the book. And I hope it gives you a lot to think about because it surely did. Made me think a lot about my future and how am I going to look at life and marriage and relationship from now on because obviously it just, it's shaken my my world the whole message that we got from the book is that monogamy isn't necessarily natural but to be able to find somebody you can connect with you can talk to you can be open with and whatever that relationship and your parameters of your relationship is whatever works best for you do it you might be the monogamous type your partner might be the monogamous type but just make sure that you do what's best for you and think about yourself first and then find somebody who you can relate and connect to on an open level we really absolutely loved this book sex at dawn i'm so thankful that i read it i'm so thankful i had my co-host alma here to go through this book together we learned a lot of great 
things, talked about a lot of amazing topics, and we hope you guys come back and listen to our next episode, which will be another new book, and we'll talk about some more awesome things together. Thank you for listening with us, baddies. Thank you for listening.